navy blue Victoria. As he uses his feet and goes again through mid-wicket. That's an even better shot from the Victorian captain. Swept away very nicely by Nicole Bottom for four. Oh, he's re-given! That is 50. The man from Northcote. Well, after our BBL hiatus, the Vic State Cricket Podcast is back for 2023. We've got a brand new studio, which is very nice overlooking the Junction Oval. It doesn't make me look any thinner, which is a bit of a setback, but we've got two guests to get us underway as we get back to the the navy blue and white of Victorian cricket. And who better to do that than the man that opens the batting, Marcus Harris. Welcome. Thank you, Whitey. And someone that is going very nicely indeed with both the red ball and now the white ball, Fergus O'Neill. Fergus, welcome. Thanks, Whitey. I'm going to start with you straight off the bat. What's going on? What have you been doing during the, the big bash? Because you've come back like a rocket. Nah, to be honest, good rest, I think. I just in, enjoyed the rest, just been uh, cruising around, trying to do the right stuff off the field in the gym. And, and um, yeah, I think the break come at a good time for us all and get back into it. And, yeah, it's been been a good start back. Good, good feel about it with Harry now captain and solo for the shield and, yeah, we've started how we wanted to, which is good. So when you say rest, does that mean not bowling at all for a period of time or is it just gentle mediums in the nets? What what does rest mean for a for a fast bowler? I'm trying to think. We finished on about the 5th of December, I reckon, was our last game. Yep. And then, yeah, probably wouldn't have bowled till about the 15th or so and then had a good had a good break and then got back into it. A lot of gym stuff, a bit of mucking around around New Year's, which was good, and then right back into it. For club cricket from, I think it was the 7th, we started back up again and that was when you start yeah, getting back on feet and, and bowling a few more balls and yeah, that, that built a good bit of momentum for for the start of the Shield season and, and the one day stuff. So it was perfect, I think. Do you do a mid-season review, whether it be with your coaches or even with yourself as to, okay, this is what I've done in the first half of the year, this is what I want to do in the second half of the year? How does it... Does it work? Yeah, we did that. We all had a had a review with the from Hustler all the way through the coaches, and I did quite a bit of work with Griff, um, having a look at a bit of footage and whatnot from yeah the, the first half of the season and how we can suss that out for the back half of the season, and and that's been good and yeah, ready to go. Do you sense that you've improved as a cricketer from the start of the year, or is this just? We're seeing more of you, opportunity, all that sort of thing. You're bowling a bit quicker. Is there anything different? Because the results have – you've certainly started 2023 really well. Yeah, I don't think I've changed anything majorly. I think it's probably your first couple of games, a little bit surreal, a little bit – geez, I'm bowling a Travis Head and Alex Carey that I've been watching since I was this high. But um, you start to feel maybe like you belong a bit more and, and you go from – a a participation kind of thing to a contributing kind of thing and I feel like it was my time to to try and contribute a bit a bit more and yeah I was lucky that I could do that the last couple of games but yeah we've still got what three shield and hopefully two more one day so still a lot to go. Well, have you noticed Marcus of Fergus feeling it mid on or mid off as you have been have you noticed anything different or is it we just seeing more of him? I think you've seen him grow in confidence as a cricketer um I, you don't often see Ferg's style of bowling in Australian domestic cricket, really. I think probably the last two that come to mind are probably Chad Sayers and Trent Copeland, yep. who both in their own right, I remember when they first both came onto the scene, were terrible to face, nightmares to face. And I think you've seen with Ferg, as he's got more confident the last couple of weeks and he feels like he belongs a bit more, uh, he has that belief and now he's starting to bowl the way that I think everyone knows, especially within our squad, the way he can bowl. Um 
and he's just he's becoming more accurate. It looks like he's like picked up a little bit of pace. Um, and that just comes that comes from like he's saying he's feeling like he's part of the team and he's contributing and not just being like excited to be there. He actually wants to be out there and he's competitive and um, it's good to watch. It's been like an an interesting uh, probably whole season really with just like this feels like the squad's starting to change and evolve a little bit. It's probably us older guys is probably outnumbered a little bit and it's funny how quickly that changes, but it's been really good and refreshing and I think we're seeing now that, you know, guys like Ferg getting opportunities and, you know, taking it with both hands. I want to ask you about that, you know, going back into the Navy Blue. Um, there was a really good feeling around the group before Christmas. There wasn't necessarily a lot of wins, but the feeling felt like it was a really harmonious group and then they come back after the break, you get back involved a win in the Shield, a win in the in the Marsh Cup as well, and that feeling's now seeing results to match that good sort of camaraderie. Do you do you feel that as well? Yeah, definitely. I know in the past when we've had um, maybe some like slow starts to the season, we've had seasons where we've built momentum, and it's funny how that can bring the group together. Um, we had a we had a get together a couple of weeks ago, just like a lunch and a bit of a meeting before, and we sort of spoke about how um, you know with Matto out, Pete out, and Barrel out that it's going to be a good opportunity for some younger guys to, you know, play shield cricket, play one-day cricket and not just to have the opportunity to actually, like, put your name up there and try and take spots off people um, and make it competitive. Um, and it feels like that's starting to happen. You see guys like Ash Chandra Singer, uh, Campbell Calloway, Ferg himself, you know, even Southo, you know, as a young bloke captaining the shield side. Um, it builds momentum and I think you see, like, with teams like WA, teams like Queensland, the more games you can get into the younger blokes, obviously mixed in with the more senior guys, um, they can have long periods of success um, if those guys start to believe in themselves and can contribute at a you know consistent level. You're captaining the white ball. Will Sutherland's captaining the shield. How did you find Will as captain and did you feel that was an obvious decision? Because from the outside, it's like, oh, they've given it to, to one of the younger guys. How did you see all that process take place and, and what was it like? I didn't really uh, think about it too much as in, you know, who would be captain or whatever. We knew that um, with Pete out and then Maddo, who'd normally done it, um, not there, someone was going to have to do it. So I think the thing with Southo is like I spoke about with the group evolving and being a bit younger that Southo is probably that guy who's the leader of the younger blokes and they all look up to. So I thought it was quite a good decision to give him a bit more responsibility. Um, he was really good during the Shield game. He was really calm. Um to be fair, we didn't really have any periods of play where we were sort of behind, but he stayed level. He didn't um, panic at all. He, I thought he was really good with his bowling decisions and his fields. Um, he asked for help like I did during the, during the one-day game. I asked for help and he was really good at taking on feedback and suggestions. So it was really good. It was just different. We've always had Pete as captain pretty much since um, oh, there was a period of time where Whitey and Wadey sort of did it for a bit, but in the last few years it's always been Petey. So um, it was just like nice to see some, you know, someone a bit different or um, just experience something different, especially for the younger guys. Um, I thought it was really good and Southo was really good as well. How'd you find him? Great. Yeah, no, as as Gaz said, he's probably the one that we look, look up to as as the younger group. And, um, yeah, he's young, but he's played I don't know how many games now, 20, 25 games of Shield cricket. I feel like he, he's got to start and figure out his game as we saw here before. Um, before Christmas, when he when he won us the game against New South Wales, and I think it's de definitely a good time for him to be able to do that with the likes of Gaz and Trav, ex-captain, playing in the same team, and 
and whatnot, I feel like he's it's going to be a perfect transition period for him. And yeah, I, I thought he did a good job. If, if Gaz said he did a good job, then I'm pretty sure he did. Now, before I sort of move on, you've referenced Gaz quite a few times. What, what is Gaz? To be honest, I just <laughs> I thought it was Harry. Old, yeah, I just hear the older boys call him that, and that's <laughs> what ca- I call it. Um, Gaz. It was, it was actually actually stupid how I even got it, but it just stemmed from. I literally, when I first moved over from WA to Victoria, I think it was like we had a um, couple of one days in Perth and I um, just being the smart ass that I can be sometimes, <laughs> I put something in the WhatsApp group and Mickey Lewis tried to write good gag Harry and instead it like auto-corrected to good gag Gary <laughs> and then Gary just stuck from there. So oh, there you go. that's how it is, yeah. There you go. So on the last week, your 24th first class century, that's a lot of hundreds. Can you believe the player you've become since you came from WA to, to Victoria? Uh, yeah, yes, in a way. I always believed in myself that um, I could get to a certain level and I'm not even at the level that I think I can get to yet. But um, I remember when I was going through the period of time, it was a really tough time. It was my like, last year at WA and I was fighting with um, do I stay in Perth and stay at home with my family and do the easy thing or do I take a risk and take up this offer that Cricket Victoria have given me. Um, and I remember Dad saying to me, he's like, you know what, like it feels like the same thing's always happening in Perth. You sort of play for a bit and then you back out of the side, play for a bit, back out of the side and just sort of spinning my wheels a little bit. Um, and I had a my own like sort of personal coach. I used to do some gym and have a hit with Rich Dale and he always encouraged me to – he just thought – he could sort of see it happening from a distance and he was encouraging me to look for some other opportunities. So – I remember saying, Dad saying to me, and I agreed with him, and he's like, I think the best thing for you to do was is to go take up the opportunity for three years in Victoria and then if it doesn't happen and, you know, that's the end of cricket or professional cricket, then so be it, but don't live with the regret of not doing it. So um, I think what's helped me so much as a cricketer that I was so fortunate that when I came into the Victorian side of the people that were in that side, you know, guys like Wadey and Cameron White, um, Ron became coach that year at the same time. Um, Lockie Stevens was there. Um, Johnny Holland, Scotty Boland, Petey. Um, it was sort of like I've got to perform, otherwise I'm going to be out of this side and I don't really have a choice. So that was my thinking. But the environment that I came – it was just so different to WA. Um, not that WA was a bad environment, it was just different. And it just suited my personality so much that it sort of felt like I was at home straight away and I was like – I was having so much fun in my first year of cricket that I was like I just want to – be playing in this team all the time. So so what is having fun? Because it's a high-performance environment. Yeah. You're trying to play for Australia. You're also trying to keep your spot in your in your state team. How do you have fun but still be professional? Well, I think back then I wasn't – playing for Australia wasn't on my radar. It was just like I want to play for Victoria and I want to, you know, make a couple of hundreds in a shield seeds and I want to make, you know, X amount of runs or whatever. I wanted to win a shield final. That was the big thing because – at WA, we couldn't get it. They only won their first shield last year for I think maybe 30 years or something like that. So I'd never experienced that. So that was such a big thing that I wanted to try and do. Um, and then to win that in my first season, I think the thing was that it was having fun, sort of enjoying it, what everyone was doing, enjoying each other's success. Um, and don't get me wrong, life's easier when the team's winning and you're going all right. So things are fun. But um, it was just the way that the boys went about it. I enjoyed that. No matter what happened with us, if we had a win, a loss or a draw, we all would, you know, stick together after the game, have a good time um, and then, you know, come back to training and everyone was held accountable to what they were doing. Yeah. 
and I just thrived in that environment. So I was just like, this is the greatest place ever. And I think what also helped me as a cricketer wasn't even cricket. It was more living out of home, looking after myself, having to fend for myself. And then I found that having to do all those little things, all of a sudden I was out in the middle and I wasn't thinking, oh, I don't know if I, like, should I be doing this or how do I problem solve? All of a sudden I could problem solve better. I could think my way through things better. And it just, I grew as a person and you do as you get older, but I think my game grew at the same time. So is that a bit of perspective, life perspective in a, in a way? Because cricket's almost reflective of, of what you're doing in society because it's a, you know, especially as a batsman, it's problem solving out there in the middle and you've got no one out there to help you. You've got yourself, maybe the guy at the other end. Did that help that it's less of a focus on how many runs you were making and more being part of a collective, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think so. But I think the drive to um, – that's what I found so different about the Victorian culture to the WA culture was like – I felt like the Victorian culture was very in your face and very like I'll ch- I'll, someone will check you up if you're not doing what you think you should be doing. But he was like also they got around you if you succeeded in that environment. And I was fortunate that I started the one-day tournament okay. I think I averaged 30 or 40 and I got left out at the end of it. That was because, you know, a lot of the Aussie boys came back. So I was fine with that and Ron explained that to me clearly, which was really good. And then I started the Shield season really well in my first season. So I was like, I feel a part of it. And then it sort of just feels like they drag you along with them. And it's sort of, that's what I feel like I want to do now with these younger guys coming in. Like I said to, I don't know who I said it to the other day, but I was like, I don't want to be a leader that talks a lot of shit and doesn't like, doesn't know actions. I sort of want to lead from the front with my actions and drag the boys along with me and sort of help them while I can. So that's what I sort of saw this opportunity in the next month or six weeks with some of the senior guys out as it, we can sort of do that again. Yeah. So are you a better player now than you were, say, five or six years ago? Or are you better coping with the pressure to perform? Or how, how would you assess you now compared to, say, five or six years ago when you first came across? Definitely a better player. Um, I think the best I've ever batted was in this my first season when I – or my season when I made – 1100 runs and when I was in first got picked in the test side that's the best I've ever like felt and moved but I think now I'm a better problem solver um I'm better at staying level and sort of riding the wave of what cricket is um now that I'm playing all year round that I play you know I play six months here and I play six months in England I sort of know and I understand that I'm not going to be able to be absolutely flying all the time and it's being able to accept that and not if I'm having a bit of a rough patch, it's sticking to my guns and sticking to what I do um, and trusting myself that it'll get better and I'll come back the way I can yep. play. So I think I've got better at that. Um, I know when I used to miss out when I was young, you get really flat and you're down you're in the doldrums and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> like well, it's, the world's against me. But um, I think I've learned and I've also, and I keep learning now that sort of like my, sort of feels like my test career has been a little bit like the start of my shield career. I was in and out trying to find my way find my feet but then I sort of found my feet in shield cricket and I sort of feel like as I get old I'm going to find my feet in test cricket and the same thing will happen um, and that doesn't just happen that's a lot of hard work and stuff like that but I feel like as I've got older I've been able to problem solve better played exposed to different conditions so understanding the game a bit more and being able to read the game better probably the main things so when you go out to bat are, are you nervous or are you now to a point in your career where you're comfortable, you know what you got to do and whatever happens, happens sort of thing. And you've, you're, you're back your preparation and your experience. I'm interested because everyone's different, yeah. whether you're playing local cricket or playing for your country. Some people are nervous, some people aren't. 
Yeah, some, uh, it's it's funny because sometimes I feel like I'm not nervous at all. I just go out and play and then sometimes I'm like, look at I was like, oh, I don't, not that I don't want to play cricket, but it's just like oh, I don't feel like I'm on today. Yeah. But then so I sort of felt like that a little bit the other day in the one-day game. But then as the, that's before the game and then as the game gets going, it's fine. So that's what I've sort of realised in cricket. It's such a long game that you're going to have periods of time where you don't really feel great or today might not, don't feel like today's going to be the day. But then you can get to the end of that day and you're like, Oh shit! I just made 150, or I made 100, or and there's days where you feel like you're really like you're gonna be on, and you're out for nothing early, and that's just what happens. So, um, I it's just it's just experience and understanding that things you don't have to be feeling perfect to have a good day at cricket. It can the game can evolve, and you can sort of as long as you stick in there and yeah. um, give yourself the best chance that more often than not you can try and succeed. Yeah. So Fergus. Listening to Marcus then talk about, you know, feeling comfortable coming across to Victoria, feeling comfortable in the Australian setup. You're going through that now. Have you reached that point where you feel comfortable? You, you sort of touched on a little bit earlier about as you, the more you play, the easier it is. That That's an obvious thing. But where are you at now? Yeah, well, I think Gaz has played so much now that he's probably comfortable within himself and he understands how it works. And that's why I love watching him bat. And it's just whether he's on zero or 100, it just looks level and, and the same and that's probably where Scotty is I suppose with his bowling and, and where, I, where I'd like to be eventually but you know I feel comfortable around the group and whatnot but I, there's no no chance I feel comfortable at you know shield level or, or marsh cup level yet you've played a handful of games mm. had a handful of, of decent performances so there's still a lot a lot I've got to do before I can um, feel properly comfortable but I certainly I feel as though it's almost feeling comfortable within your own game and knowing that regardless of whether I'm bowling to Jimmy Pearson or Jack Layla in club cricket, I'm just coming in and, and doing my thing and and that's going to be good enough. And I think that's what Gaz is speaking about with his batting. It doesn't matter whether he's facing Michael Nessa or whoever for club cricket. He knows what he's doing and, and he goes about it that way and that does the job. Do you ask a stack of questions or are you one that tends to to watch a training and, and take it all in like a, you know, soak it up like a sponge and mm. how, how, how are you placed in that situation? You know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think I, I know a lot. I don't, um, I don't probably ask enough questions. I've started to do it a little bit more, but I, I kind of like to observe, watch, watch how the boys go about it. And, yeah, I think I've come in at a good time. You know, when I, from when I debuted to now even – Southo's played 25 games, Perry's played 20 games, Baz has played 1,000 games. All these people have played a lot and you start to watch them and see how they go about it and play against Nessa and Sekety and these kind of guys. I just try and watch and the common theme for me is that, you know, whether you're playing your first game or your 100th game, your best is good enough. It's just those guys do their best for longer and, yeah, and yeah that, that's that's really it. And I don't feel like... I bowled any spectacular balls on, when was it, Tuesday. I just bowled enough balls in the right spot and that was the only difference between me having a decent game and, and me not having a decent yep. game. And that's all I'm really trying to do at the moment is just just be level and, and just try and do my own thing. That's a really good point. So, Marcus, when you go into the Australian setup, what's that like? Do you, you've played a fair bit of cricket now for Australia. You've just spent the whole summer with the Australian team. Are you someone that's asking a lot of questions to get better or does that not happen playing for Australia? It's sort of like, well, 
you're in the Australian setup, so you should know. I'm, I'm interested how how you can find little ways of, of getting better. Oh, it's a great environment. Like it's a lot of fun. I don't. I'm not sure what people expect it to be like, but um, everyone takes the piss out of everyone the whole time, and everyone's having a great time. And especially like through a dominant summer, um, that's quite easy to do because there's no real. Um, don't get me wrong. There's pressure, but they're like the hot. So for example, like what it is now, very different. But um, no, everyone's always trying to learn, and you'd be stupid not to go into that environment, not want to ask guys like Steve Smith or Davey Warner or Marn or Hetty anything. So you're always learning, um, and I'm lucky that I've been around there a lot now. So like you have a good relationship with people, and it's not like a an awkward conversation. You can just be talking about whatever. So um, and also like you know. The coaching staff there are really great, and I'm and I'm lucky that Ron's a coach. I've had Ron at Victoria, Andre Borovic's there, um, Michael Divanudo, who's a legend. So like, and Dan Vittori now as well. So they're very easy people to talk to and to get advice from. And you never you can never ask a stupid question in that environment. People are always willing to help. Um, I think the thing is like when you go up to that level is the pressure that you put on yourself. Um, and it's a whole different beast to what shield cricket is. You can sort of on state cricket, you can go under the radar and go about your business. Whereas um, you put that green hat on, and then all of a sudden, every Tom, Dick, and Harry has an opinion on what you're doing. So that's the probably the main challenge. Because I think if you get picked at that level, you you probably know have a fair idea of what you're doing and you have a, a fair ability. It's more about how to deal with all the other stuff. That's the challenge. I want to ask you about that because you have experienced it. Um, you've played in two Ashes series. You played against India. So the biggest series you've been there representing your country. What's that pressure like, that intensity like? And people making up their mind about you, whether you can make it or not, and they'll all have an opinion on social media or whatever else, but they make an opinion of you based on you going out to bat for your country. I'd love to know how yeah. you cope with that it intensity. It was completely different and you, um, when you first come in, you're very naive to it and you think... Um, you know, it's the greatest thing in the world and everyone's going to be up and about. But then you just quickly find out that it's – and it's the same with footy. Everyone wants to nail someone about something and if you're the one that they want to nail, they can all come for you. But I um, I met with a bloke the other day. Uh, I don't really want to have name drop, but Xavier Campbell, who was CEO of Essendon, um, met him the other day, fortunately, and he said to me that – I said, how would you go with all the stuff at Essendon like with that was going on last year? And he's like, you know what, it's like – even if people are criticising, at least it means you're relevant. And I was like, I've never heard anyone put it like that. And that's the thing I always find funny when people criticise people that are playing for Australia, like how they're bowling, how they're batting, how they're fielding, whatever. It's like you don't actually understand what it's like to have the pressure of the whole country wanting you to do well or not do well. And then you can't turn the telly on or look at your phone without seeing something. And then all your family wants you to do well. And then you might not be having the day you want to have an, an auntie or an uncle or mate or your mum or your dad will ring you and they can say the wrong thing and completely set you off. So it's like it's a really tough environment to be in but it can also be a very rewarding environment to be in as well. So I think the thing is, is like Ferg spoke about before, is that trying to be level as much as you can and just accepting that. And like Xavier Campbell said to me, he's like, at least you're relevant for people to have an opinion about what you're doing. So I think as well you also have to have a level of drive to succeed and drive to want to do well and win games for your country and be the best you can be that where no matter what someone says about you or has opinion of you can block that out and it doesn't get in your way it's not going to hold you down you can't go out you know batting in the test match or bowling or whatever and thinking about oh um x and 
well, I wrote this about me or, you know, someone said that because like, it's, it's too hard. So I think it's just about – and you learn that more you play. Like, you know, I've played – I've been in and out a few times and that's why I was a bit disappointed last time when I got left out after the Sydney test. No issues with the selection but it was more like I was just starting to feel confident in myself. And my mum, who knows nothing about cricket, she said, that's the first time I've ever seen you look, like just in your face. You look like you were confident, knew what you were doing and you looked, started to look like you felt like you belong. Um, so that was disappointing that I just couldn't quite nail it down in Sydney to be able to keep my spot in the team. Um, but I feel like from every, like, you know, disappointment and, you know, time of being dropped, that just drives me and fuels me to want to get better and, um, you know, hopefully propels me for whenever my next opportunity comes, whenever that is, that it makes me stronger. And that's what I try to say to the younger boys now in our squad, especially with a young squad, it's like you're going to get dropped and you're going to have disappointment, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Like you don't just go kick the curb and end up stuffing up six weeks of your season or two months because, you know what, at the end of the day, there's only one thing you can do about it and that's go back out there and work out what you need to do, speak to the coaches, selectors, and if you need to work on something, you work on it and then you go out and try and, you know, whether it's in club cricket, whether it's in shield cricket, whatever, and you try and rectify it and that's all you can do. And I think the blokes you see that can deal with that stuff are the ones that are probably the best players in the world. Yeah, I mean, even just you talk about it now, there are Australian cricketers that hadn't been able to cope with the pressure, hadn't been able to cope with being critiqued intensely and it, and it affected their performance. So, I, you know, it, it the best can get affected by it. So with you being a part of the the team, the Australian team this summer not playing, is that is that hard or is that it is what it is sort of thing that you, you know you're close? Yeah. Um, I Like it's obviously it's, you want to play but to be fair, if you said to me at the start of the summer that I was going to be picked in the first test squad, I would have said I don't think so. So um, I was, that was sort of, um, you know, gave me belief that I know what I'm doing is right and that I'm not far away from where I think I want to be. Um, and then... The good thing is now with the line of communication so clear, um, I speak to Ronnie a lot, speak to Bales, speak to Dodders. So I know where I stand. And sometimes things from the outside don't always, don't always seem clear, but what we speak about and what I've spoken to them about doesn't have to be made public, so that's okay. And some things don't always make sense. And don't get me wrong, I'm disappointed when I, don't, when I get left out of the team when I think I should be at least you know half a chance or whatever. But it's like I said before, it's like, well, there's no point in being disappointed and kicking the can about it. All I can do is, you know, come out now and, you know, play shield cricket for Victoria, play club cricket for St Kilda and just churn runs out and just make it like they don't have an option, they have to pick me. So that's my thinking and that's my drive is to just do that. Yeah, so you've got these shield games, you walk back into the Victorian team, make 100 out of 150 in difficult conditions. You've still got hopefully four more games. If you include the final, then you head off to the UK again. Is it that balance about not obsessing too much about the runs you're making and, you know, maybe the, the, the leadership can help, you know, take that focus off and let the run sort of just yeah. take care of themselves? Is that the yeah, approach definitely. you're having? I, um, I, my coach at Gloucestershire, Dale Bankenstein, he's a great bloke. He um, South African guy, played a lot of um, county cricket for Durham. And I was having like a – I was having a bit of a tough patch like halfway through the county season last year. I played – all year, all season at home, and I'd played the county season before. Then I'd played the first like seven or eight county games. Flew to Sri Lanka, played Sri Lanka, played one day as, played four days. Flew back to England, then was playing county cricket again. I was coming and going like sister's wedding and all sorts. Like I was all over the shop. I was everywhere. 
And I was like, started to feel like a bit knackered, like a bit fatigued. And I was like, felt like my game, like I suck batting like a busted, like I just can't make a run. And I, and then I got like a 60, like in a second dig of a four day game. And then we got to the one day tournament and it's like in England, like the hundreds on. So like a lot of the um, main guys sort of go out for the hundred, but the one day has are still on. So I was playing that. And I missed out in the first couple of games and I was like, and Benke messaged me, he's like, come over to my house. And my dad was there at, with us in England at the time and I was with um, Kat, my partner. I was like, I'm going to get dropped from this team. <laughs> and I'm like playing against like, it was like no disrespect for like younger blokes and like, you know, I should be dominating. And it was actually, and Kat's like, he will not do that to you. Like it'll be the complete, I'm just like, oh, I'm telling you, he's going to get, he's going to drop me. And it was actually the complete opposite. What he said, and he's like, he sat me down and we spoke for like an hour and he was just like, mate, he's like, when you're really struggling with things and, you know, you're thinking about your batting too much, He's like, try and think in the field and around the game, around tactically and like in like how we can take wickets, how we can win the game and you'll find it'll take your mind off thinking about, you know, where's my head position or what I'm doing, anything like that. And it was funny, as soon as we had that conversation, everything just clicked back into gear and then I finished off the season really well there and sort of brought my form back into the Australian summer. Um, so that's, that's what's been really good. And as I've got older and sort of... Um, get asked a bit more advice around stuff through the team and that, that I've found it does help with taking my mind off just solely concentrating on batting and thinking about, oh, I hope I make runs next innings or whatever, rather than just being out in the field and thinking about tactics yeah. and stuff like that. It's hard though, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're paid good money to make runs and cricket is a game where it's, yeah, it's a team game, but really it's an individual game and it all, they yeah. all, you know, collectively become a team. So as much as it's, you get told all these things, at the end of the day, you got to make runs. I think and it's that pressure that's... Yeah, I, I think I for me, difficult. like, it... Um, I remember the first time I ever got my contract changed from just a minimum contract to, like, a little bit... wasn't much more, but a bit more. I was like, holy shit, I'm getting paid so much money. This is so much pressure. And it wasn't like much money at all. But then as I've got older and as I've started to play for Australia and had more opportunities of playing around the world and that, I'm like, I actually do not give a shit about the money. I just want to be the best opening batter in the world. I just want to make heaps of runs. I just want to, like, break records, do all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, that other stuff will come with it. I don't care. Like, I've sort of made a conscious effort and it's probably the opposite of what a lot of people do is that my main goal is to play test cricket. It's not to play T20 cricket or anything like that. If that stuff happens, so be it. Mm. But it's like my, I'm Red Bull focused. Like, I want to play county cricket. I want to play shield cricket. And, um, like, that's what I, my goal is to make test hundreds. It's to, you know, whatever. But, and that's just what it is. And all the other stuff comes with it. It's not my main – I don't get up in the morning like, oh, shit, I better make 100 tails. I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage and stuff. Like, I don't think yeah. about that. I just want to go out there and be the best that I can be and, you know, make the most 100 for Victoria or make the most 100 for Gloucestershire and, you know, whoever I'm playing for. So I was going to ask you about what your goals are over the next period of time. There's obviously an Ashes series coming up, um, then another summer of cricket, all these sorts of things while the Indian series <laughs> is going on at the moment. So have you got goals or are you just saying, as you were saying, you just, it'll take care I, um, of itself? I said... So you, yeah, you're still pretty yeah. young, relatively yeah, young despite yeah. what you've done. Yeah. I've been lucky to play a lot of cricket for 30 years of age. I think I've 140-odd um, first-class games, so I've got a bit of cricket under my belt. Mike Hussey hadn't played for Australia at the age of Yeah. Three. He's a great man, the hustler. But um, <laughs> uh, what was the question again? What's my goals? Your goals. I Even sort of made a... I sat down with Kat and sort of said, I don't want to put down, I don't want to put limits on myself or write down that 
no, I want to make a thousand runs this season and, you know, five hundreds because sometimes that's not attainable through situations and sometimes you can go past that. So I just wrote down this season, I just want to be the best person I can be as often as I can. And I think if I can do that and I'm in a good space mentally that there, there should be no limit on what I can do and I don't want to put limits on myself. So that's literally what I wrote down as my goal for the year. And that'll probably keep that as my goal going forward unless some drastic changes. But um, just trying to be like, like I said before about the pressure, it's like you so hard not to, when you're playing test careers, not to take that home with you and you end up taking out on partners and family and like they don't deserve that. So just to make a conscious effort of, I'll just try and be the best that I can be and be the best person and partner I can be to cat and son to my mum and dad and like, and the rest of that stuff will look after itself. So that's yeah. what it is really. That's interesting. Yeah. So at 30, do you think you're a finished product skill-wise? Like you're not trying to work on a shot that you don't currently play or technically that sort of thing. You feel that that's, you've, as I said, you've got so many runs now that, that that's your current skill set has set you to a current point. No, I don't think so because I sort of still get the, um, like the reason I wasn't picked for India was that I'm not versatile enough down the order. So it's like, well, alrighty, I've got to get better against spin and I've got to work on ways that like I said to George and I said to Ron, I was like, well, how do I get better at it if I don't bat down the order? But like as an opening batter, you can be on 70 or 80 by the time the spinner comes on. So um, I've worked a lot on like sweeps, reverse sweeps. Yep switch hits, all sorts of stuff, and I sort of make a conscious effort to practice it in the nets. Um, you saw a few of those. Yeah. So, like, I'm always sugar. trying to evolve, and um, I really enjoy one-day cricket, and I think that helps my red ball cricket just through um, the tactics and the way you got to think your way through it and not giving your wicket away. Um, so I'm always trying to get better, and I always see that with all the boys in the test side. They're always trying to get better, like, Smithy averages 60. He's always working on something, always trying to get better. Man averages 50. I'd always trying to get better. Davey. So it's just like even Smother, like Smudger this year, he found something with his technique that he's like completely changed his technique really with his stance and hands. And he's like, holy hell, like this is a completely different play. And he's already about as good as it can get. So mm. I never think I'm the finished product and I've always got something I can work on. The last question I've got for you, as an opening batsman, you're pretty small in stature. And you've got blokes coming in bowling 150 plus, whether it be Wood, whether it be Boomer, whoever it is. What's that feeling like? Are you are you worried about being hit? Are you worried about it being too fast? Are you loving the the battle? What I'd love as an opening batsman, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would like to know what it's like to be at the top of the order with a brand new ball being bowled at rapid speed to you. Well, it certainly gets your beans going. I know like facing <laughs> um Mark Wood was probably the quickest bloke I've faced recently um, in the Ashes last year. He was bowling properly quick. And it's just about, I think when guys bowl really quick, that it's it's a lot different to like someone to bowls 140 or someone to bowls 150 is a big difference. And so it's trying to find a tactic of how to actually pick the ball up first and line it up and play it properly. And then from there, I really enjoy facing it because the ball comes off the bat so much quicker. And if you can get it near a gap, it's going to go for four. So... But, yeah, also you can get hit and you can get hurt. And But if that's what's in the forefront of your mind, you're going to get hit and you're going to get hurt. So it's being able to find a tactic of how you deal with it. Um, but it's what sort of what it's what you're paid to do. So you've got to have a – like put your big boy pants on and like be like, righty, I'm happy to wear a couple. But also like I'll take you on. But take it on in your way. Um, 
it's just it's part of the game and it's like I think people love watching blokes bowl quick but also watching people trying to face bowling that's quick. So, um, and you, you see it a lot. Like there's some blokes that bowl properly fast now. Like Nork here in that test series was unbelievable. But you saw like boys find a way to play it and you can score off them and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just I think when they're bowling extra quick, it's actually like trying to give yourself a bit of time to sort of get used to the pace of it. And then you sort of find once you get used to the pace of it, you start moving a bit quicker and you're not hopping around as much. You actually can play it all right. Um, you just sort of hope the one's not on the money first ball when you actually get a bit of a cider. But, yeah, it is. It does get the beans going. Great insight. Great insight. Okay, Fergus, what's going to happen this week um, or next Monday? We're back in the Shield, back here. A chance to win three in a row and really set up the season. How, what's the feeling like in the camp? Good. Very good feeling, I think. Obviously, having Harry back and on a heater has been good for us. And as as Harry spoke about, you know, Callers is getting another game in him. Chandy's getting another game in him. We've still got experience as well. I don't know if we have Maxi back this week, but that could be some good experience as well. So we're all we're all feeling quite good about about where we're going. And well, now we look at the ladder and we're second. I think it's it's in our hands now. So that's our responsibility. Hopefully, um, I'm not really sure what they're going to do off the wicket. Last time it spun a little bit. We had Todsy on a heater, which was great at um, Salo as well. So. We'll wait and see, but we're, we're confident, we're feeling good and feeling good about where we're going, so fingers crossed. If it spins, it's it's plays into John Holland's hands, so Marcus bowled really well in that second innings. He bowled just about yeah. as... <laughs> I said to his old, his dad came down in the rooms after the game and I think I might have offended him, but it wasn't on purpose. I said to him that <laughs> that's the best that Duck's bowled for years and it, not that he had been bowling badly, but it was like back to when the year that Duck took 50 wickets, that was the way that he was bowling, like he's bowling... A, like look like a bit quicker and a bit more on him. Um, I know you'd face him the next day before the game, so you can attest to it, but he just bowled. Like, and when you have a spinner that people can't get hold of and takes wickets and is an attacking option, that's how you win Sheffield Shields. So, um, yeah, I think the boys are – it's funny how you sort of go from last week we weren't sort of sure, like we win, we lose, we're not sure how our season's going to go. Then all of a sudden you win, you're up in a second. It gives the energy to the group that like radio where – you know, we're in it and we can, you know, make a good fist of it, hopefully. That's what momentum's all about, isn't yeah. it? And what about this ground here? It could very easily be named the Marcus Harris Oval. You've made so many runs on this ground. But can you make it into a fortress? It is. It has been historically hard to get results, but it's very rare for you to ever get beaten here. How can you make it a fortress that people get, you know, fear coming here? It's probably a question of both of you. Well, I think it's, yeah, trying to find a method that works for us as a team to make up, to help us win, I think. Um, the game we had against WA here early in the year, I think maybe if we had, if Duck was playing and we have Toddy, maybe it's a different story. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure, but when we've won here, it does a little bit. We won with the Duke ball here a couple of times. Um, but like you said, I think you look at like WA, people don't really like going to the Wacker yeah. that much. People don't like going to the Gabba that much. So I think it's trying to find a way, but I think it becomes a fortress once you also have a strong team and, sort of have a team that can sort of win wherever you're playing. So mm. um, it's a good question. I don't really know. I think we've tried the spinning thing. Um, don't like just things haven't all worked at the same time, unfortunately. But you can't win a toss. That, yeah. That, that so is, that's probably a little bit to do with it. Um, but I feel like toward, if you play more games here towards the end of the season, you're going to get more results because teams are trying to win to get into the Shield final. So mm. the game moves yep. a bit more towards where you're trying to go. Yep. I think when you have dead rubbers, it can make it look a bit flatter. Where if you have 
we like had a good chase against Queensland a few years ago where they set us a target and yes, both teams were trying to win. So that's I think you also need Fergus, both teams uh, Marcus, to come Marcus, to the party. Marcus made 170 in that game. So that sounds <laughs> all right. He brought that but up. But I think <laughs> you need both teams to come to the party yeah, in correct. the games. So they that, declared yeah. that game. To, yeah, to and then we but there's then, a Tassie one on there as well. Yeah, but then yeah, we're a really yep. good chase last year. Yep. Yep. But then we've had games in the past where like a last game of the season where South Australia's bat out the whole last day and didn't yeah. want to make a game of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I I hope this wicket is from all reports the New South Wales wicket was quite good. So yeah, it was. Yeah. And I like playing club cricket here. Brad leaves a bit in the wicket and it does a bit, and you know everyone's in the game the whole time. So mm. whatever he rolls up, we'll have to deal with. Um, but now that we're second on the ladder, we can afford to try and push games in certain directions. One from left field, the the women's game took a whole new step with the with the IPL. I don't know, I'm even sure what it's going to be called. WPL, WPL, I think. Yeah, um, some of the Victorians are the four Victorians that have got massive contracts. Where, where do you think that will take cricket from a women's game? It's a bit from left field. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's obviously growing. I think cricket is huge in Australia, um, relatively big in England, and it's starting to grow in India for women's cricket. Um, I think you sort of see it's going to go to another level because the amount of money that's coming into it. So I hope that that money sort of trickles down because you sort of see our girls are so dominant against some of these other mm. countries that they don't have the resources that we have. So you'd like to – WBBL is really good. The women's 100 is good. Um, so hopefully the WPL is equally of a standard that that is. Um, but it's only going to get better the more money that gets put into mm. the game. It's going to improve all the time. But like you see in the women's game, like it feels like the Australian team's so much stronger than all the other teams, which is good for us. We don't care. But um, mm. I think as a product, you want to see a lot of strong teams. So yeah, and that's what will make the game stronger. And you'll see that the more they mix in with each other and play against each other, more will make everyone better. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the women actually actually play their last two matches of the season against uh, Canberra or against the ACT Meteors. Um, so that'll finish off their season. They've had a tough run, but they've got so many young players because all their good they've players. They've had a few girls for Australia. Australia, which is good. Yeah. Exactly, it makes it a yeah. bit harder for them. But they'll finish off their season over the weekend. And then, from a men's perspective, as I said, you can see in the background now, we'll be playing here from Monday against South Australia. A massive game because they've found form. Um, but they have. the way the things are working out, they've actually been um, they've been a good side for a while now. South South Australia, they've got a good bowling attack now, so um, that's definitely their strength. I think without um, Travis Head and Alex Carey, that's where we can probably target them. But their bowling attack is good and it um, is a challenge. I think we were dominant in the first game against them this year. Um, I think if the shoe was on the other foot and we had a bold first in that game, I think we would have won. But um, they're not a team to be taken lightly by no means. Well, we look forward to Monday. It's going to be great. You'll probably be opening the bowling. Fingers crossed. And you'll be opening the batting. Yep. To the, the stars of the Victorian team joining us on the Vic State Cricket Podcast this week. We hope you've enjoyed the, uh, the, the episode, particularly the insights from Marcus talking about what it's like to be one of the best uh, opening batsmen in the world. We can say that, not just Australia, <laughs> in the world. We'll catch you next week for another edition.